This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning. Yes, and I've seen quite a number of people that I know well. Great to be back in Stellenbosch. Lovely to be here. So Sias asked me to do one sermon on family. I said to him, this is impossible. Uh, You had one on marriage last week. Now I'm given one sermon, 40 minutes that starts now. Don't start too early. Uh, 40 minutes that starts now on family life. How could you do this? So I said, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not doing this. Uh, But if you give me more time to work through this with some people so that we can invest more in the family lives of the families of Shofar and the future families of Shofar, then then I'm available. So I start today and on Thursday I will see some of the leaders and we will think on how we can take this forward uh, so that all the families of the Shofar church will be impacted by that and future families of the Shofar, Shofar church will be impacted. So I'm starting today, so the best I can do today is to give you what I would think this essence of Christian families today. So I will do that. Let me just give a short prayer and then we start. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege of looking into your word, finding direction and guidance from your word. We praise you for who you are. There is none like you, Lord. Amen. Friends, I'm, I'm traveling quite extensively, <clears throat> and, um, and unfortunately, with um, a shocking, I also want to call it a haunting reality, by all the travels, watching so many nations, and obviously when I travel, I go to churches, church leaders, Christians mostly, um, the shocking reality that the impact of the church on life is minimal. The church simply does not succeed in impacting life as we are expecting and as we are actually preaching and promoting it to be. The statistics actually show us something horrible. Uh, Let me give you a few, and I don't have time for that because this is just the introduction before we take the word of God. And, and that is that, for instance, you go to a nation like Jamaica in the Caribbean and you see at the airport, uh, you have more churches per square meter than any other nation of the world. And it's true. But in that same nation, 84%, we can see the slides, the 84, 85%, sorry, of all the children are born outside wedlock. Fourth highest incidence of violent crime, for instance, in that nation. How is this simply possible? You go to another one in the Caribbean, to Barbados, and there everyone goes to church, more or less, and uh, not many people, 280,000 people, and of the 50,000 fathers uh, that that are there in the nation, 30,000 fathers go to church on a Sunday. So you're expecting, actually, that all the homes would change immediately, dramatically, forever, so that the kingdom will come on earth. As we say to each other on the Sunday, but what do you get there? You get incredible high percentage of domestic violence, teenage pregnancy, drug misuse, etc., etc. 
If you go and Google on what nations go to church more than any other nation, 13 of the top 14 of those nations are in Africa, with Nigeria number one. 88% according to Google, um, South Africa 62%, so okay, subtract some 10% to that, I think, or more. But at least, so those 13 of the top 14, all from Africa, and all the atrocities and social pathologies that you don't want to have in community are there. When you're on the other end, go to the nations where people do not go to church. This is Europe and the old Russian nations where, they've, where the percentages are like 0 0.0 or 0 0.1 or 0 0.2 of people going to church. Then you go, don't get those atrocities there. So that carries a clear message. The church is not changing the world right now. And it is terrible after 40 years of ministry to come to this understanding as you travel across the world. My question to you, what are you doing? So what is the reason for this? Shall we relay the reason for this at the feet of the pastors of a church? Maybe we should. I don't know. You decide. But I think the main reason for this is that we do not have Christian homes. We have secular homes where Christians live. Let me just explain this while you're processing what I'm saying. Shortly after I uh, went to the first church as a pastor, I was already married for two, almost three years, went to this church, and then one morning I had devotional time, and, and then God just said to me, Cassie, you love God, Jenny loves God, but your marriage is not a Christian marriage. It's a secular marriage with two Christians connected to each other. And I want you to think about that. Because in the morning, let me just be super practical. In the morning I would get up and say to Jenny, oh, this is a beautiful day out there. I wouldn't say to her, isn't this a phenomenal day that God has made for his glory? I wouldn't say that. But when do I say this? When I'm in the church, <laughs> and I'm speaking to the Christians, when I'm at the prayer meeting, when I'm at home visits in those days, then I will say that. But when I'm talking to my wife, I don't say that. And when we talk about someone that's going through a troubled time, I wouldn't say to my let's pray for her right now. We wouldn't do that. And we were shocked that although we were converted, our marriage was not converted. Can I say that slowly again? Although we were converted, our marriage was not converted. Question to you this morning, is your family, your home, converted? Not are you converted, is your home. Is the culture at home converted? See, my friends, in the early days, Christianity grew phenomenally with the biggest impact of all centuries in the first 300 years before Constantine came. And Rodney Stark writes about this, and he says, he gives five reasons for it, and then he says, the first reason, the Christians of those days were extremely different to the other civilians. The Christians. Uniquely, significantly, extremely different. Everyone could see it. The difference between Christians and other people. South Africa, it's pretty difficult to see the difference. 
That's the main reason. Family lives were extremely different to the family lives of other people, he writes. So as I travel to the different nations, let's see the next slide. I ask them this following question. Next slide. I ask them the following question. Give me the different building blocks of a secular home to a Christian home. And I don't have time to do this this morning, but I tell you, I am, every time I do this, I'm completely shocked. Because when they start the building blocks of the secular home, you know, comfort, connectivity, <laughs> security, is that right? Success, you know, all of those things. And then they fill in those blocks, and then they come to the building blocks of the Christian homes. And I always ask them, the average Christian home in your nation, the average Christian home, uh, uh, or the average home, secular home in your nation, and what is the difference? And then you simply do not see much difference. And that's why the impact of the church is minute, insignificant in this world. We can feel as spiritual as we want to feel in the church. That is simply not your test. For your walk with God. It's not here. It's back home. First. Before any other place. So. How can we change the situation? And this morning. And this is the sermon. Three things. Three differences. Between the Christian home. And the secular home. And for that I want to take you. And and I'm sorry. I just have to grab one or two. Because it's so short. I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then I'm going to take you to John chapter 13. Three significant differences. I try to simplify it, just three, so that all of you can remember this. Is that okay? At the end, you've got to say this to each other as you drive home. Just three. Three differences, significant differences, between a Christian home and a secular home. The first one. In Christian homes, life is about... God. In a Christian home, if a child asks you, the parents, the father, Father, what is life all about? The father says something completely different to the secular home. Secular home, the father would say, Oh, life is about success. Life is about grabbing your opportunities. Make the best of every opportunity or stuff like this. And I grew up here in Stellenbosch. And I know what Stellenbosch homes say to children. Be number one. Is that right? performance okay in christian homes the father answers like this my child life is about god god's on a mission his mission starts here his mission finishes here and you and me we are right here and life is about finding our assignment on god's mission life is about god where do we get this so clearly in deuteronomy chapter 6 in deuteronomy chapter 6 it starts like, these are the commands, the decrees, the laws that God, God has given to you. So that you can go to the promised land. You will go to a land that will flow with milk and honey. You are in heaven on earth. God is the answer. God's law is the road, are the roads to that. God is the answer. That's so clear. And so it says from verse 1 until verse 3, it says, obey God, my child. Heaven on earth, obey God, my child. It's all about God, 
my child. And then verse 4. Let's read that. Verse 4 says, says this. Uh, <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strengths. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Actually, the word says, carve it into your children. Impress, force it into your children. Impress that into your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up in the morning and the evening. All the time on the road. Talk about tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Everywhere. When you come in, when you go out. On your mind and on your hands. Your thinking and your doing. Everything must be permeated by this fact. Life is about God. Say to the guy next to you. Hey, you may have forgotten, but life is about God. Not you. Not you. Not you. Not you. Not you. Life is about God. And if you follow through on the new, in the New Testament. And then the, the meta narrative of the New Testament. And life is about God. Therefore life is about becoming like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus. We don't have time to remain on that. And I must show you this. Because unless you carve this into your mind. You will not be able to teach this to your children. And dad, if you are children here, and sorry for those dads that have had children and they left home and you didn't do that. So they don't go and they leave your home and they say, the one thing my dad taught me was, 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 life is about God. I specialized in youth ministry. In the 90s, I've seen more youth than anyone else in this nation. And I always would ask them, give me the one thing that your dad is teaching you. What is the message from your dad? And oh, how many tears. I've almost never heard this one sentence. Dad is the one that taught me life is about God. You see, my friends, we have to teach our children something different. Let's have those circles. Those circles there. Yeah. And that life is not about us. I've said this numerous times, innumerable times to my children. Life is not about us. Life is not about you. Life is not about me. Life is about God. Because I think most people, they think that life is about you. And you've got to build a little granny flat. The next, just next click. The little, yeah, there we go. A little granny flat for God in your home. Now, what is a granny flat? Now, in South Africa, we know granny flat. Granny flat means granny stays in a flat. Until she has permission to come into the house. That's why granny flats are normally outside the home. Is that right? Not inside the home. So we know exactly where to position granny. She's important. She's vitally important when we have to go out that evening. Is that right? And she has to look after the children. But she stays. She must know her place. Is that right? And that's a granny flat. Now, Now, I think we do the same with God. You know, we, we can't live without God. How can you live without God? You need God. You need health. You need provision. You need life. So you need God. But, but does God dominate? Does he take over? And so in your mind, you must have this perception. It's not about God in my life. Invite God into your life. Maybe we said it wrong. 
it, we shouldn't have said that. Invite God in. We should have said, enter into God's life. Us in God. Before God in us. I think John says it so good. Us in, how can I be in God? Even before he is in me. Life is about God. This is not my story. This is his story. And I'm in his story. Life is about God. It's all about God. And I must find my space in God. That's why I must find. And this is the key thing for everyone. How does God think? What is on God's agenda? How must I follow God? How must I follow Jesus? This is what life is all about. And what family life is all about. What is God all about? And then we know what we are all about. It is following God. And therefore, the next slide. The next slide shows us that it is God on a movement. Exactly what I said about the Bible. And I and my children, my wife and my children, we are on God's movement. We are a missional family. We are on mission. We are on assignment. We are all missionaries on God's assignment. God is working towards His intended purposes. And all of us, whether that's at school or whether that's at your job, but, but everywhere, we are all working on God's mission. No one is on his own mission at home. We are on God's mission back home. Does that make sense? Was that the dominant message? No, no, don't, no now you don't move. Okay, you don't move an eyelid. You don't do this or this. You just think. Rhetoric question, they call it. Is that right? Was this a dominant message from home? The absolute dominant message from home? I'm not asking if you had a Christian father or mother. I'm asking, was this the dominant message from home? Life is about God. God has chosen his people. They belong to him. Therefore, all their heart, all your soul, all your strength for God. Now, someone describes this so beautifully. He says, with all my heart means the seed of understanding who loves nothing in comparison to him or which is not in reference to him. So everything I love, I cannot compare with God. And, and there is nothing I love that is not in reference to God. We'll never forget it. We were sitting here in Stellenbosch. George was a keen rugby player, you know, in the primary school. And then one day um, we read in our devotional time, we read this sentence that you read in the 1 John. And it says that, um, uh, that, that if you love the world, you do not love God. And so George, like they used to do, is Dad, explain. So I said, and in his world was rugby. His world was rugby at that stage. I said, George... If you love rugby, you cannot love God. I mean, all the blood disappeared from his body in one instant. He said, what, Dad? What? I'll never forget that. What, Dad? And I had to explain to him, if anything occupies your heart outside God, I'm sorry, my son, then you cannot love God. God is the only one that must occupy the center of your being, which is your heart. There is place for only one God, someone wrote. Only one God in your heart, my son. And all the other things, rugby and all your other interests, they are serving the center of your heart. Love God with all your heart. 
of God with all your soul, the center of the world and the personality, to whom life and death are nothing but as they come from and lead to God. It's all about God from the beginning to the end. With all your strength, all the energies of the person, sacrifices, how you employ your talents, all these things. How do I use my gifting, my strength, my thinking, my everything for advancing God and His glory? I've stopped asking a person, are you a Christian? I don't think I'll ever, ever, ever again ask a person, are you a Christian? Again, I will never do it. I love asking a person, what is your life all about? I love it. I love it. What is your life all about, my friend? That is a key, key question. Every aspect of your life, every relation that you have, the relation with your children, with your friends, every decision of each day should be permeated by this one command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your strength. And then also must be occupied with this one assignment. We are heaven people visiting earth, colonizing earth for heaven. That's the assignment. And that's the message for the home. Is that clear? How did the Jews do it? They actually took these words of of God literally. So what they did was they had the thing that they called the mezuzah. It was a little scroll that they put on a little casing. And they knock it onto the front door. And then that picture will show it to you. That thing there. And so the priest would scribe that. And then you knock this. And this was exactly this verse that we have read here. So that every time when you exit your house, you touch the mezuzah. Life is about God. Love the God with all your heart. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength. Every time they come into the house, they touch the mezuzah. Now, I don't want to encourage you to become a Jew, but I want to encourage you to write this on your doorframe of your front door. Actually, today, I want to start a new culture in Shofar. Can we do this? Let's do this. Why not? That all chauffeur people, and this is how they will know you, when they come to your home, if you're a student, when they come to your room, by the doorpost, by the entrance of your door, right there is a little cross, right here at eyesight, right, a small little one, right there on the doorpost. Is that okay? You want to do this? Is that okay? And every time you enter the house, you touch the cross and you enter. Is that okay? And when you leave, you touch it and you leave. That will lead us to our third uh, principle this morning as well. A cross on the doorpost of your front door for all chauffeur congregants. Is that okay? Agreement? The board, say, uh, the council says? Amen. Yeah, amen. It's decided unanimously. Okay. And... <clears throat> But what I want to say is actually find practical little things, symbolic things that will remind you of this. Because life is just so fast. Hectic. Is that right? Find little symbolic things that will remind you of this. Every morning of my life, I wake up before the rest in the house. And then I go and I stand because in my garden is a massive cross. And I look at the cross and every single morning, I just praise God. That he died for me. Find symbolic things that can remind you 
that you are exclusively God's. And that's the idea. Exclusively God's. Disciples are called to follow Jesus. They are called to build the kingdom of God. They belong to God. Every life, a missionary life, we are on assignment. We are God's exclusively. I belong to God. Now, you can show me my time so that I can just check this. Um, Thanks. Um, Friends, let me be practical enough today. That you will have enough to take back home. So how does it look at home? The very first thing you got to do is. Make yourself a little rule. This is an easy rule. And the rule is so easy. Never touch a cell phone before you touch a Bible. So um, turn to the person next to you and say. I covenant before God and you. That I will never touch a cell phone in the morning before I touch the Bible. Come on. If you're not bold enough to say it, don't say it. But if you are bold, say it. Come on. If you are bold, say it. And then this person needs to check up on you. This person needs to check up on you. And don't come. Come on. I I can feel it. I can feel it. They're saying, but my Bible is on my... Don't go there. Don't go there. Because when you open the cell phone, you don't see a Bible verse. You see the last message, remember. You can't, cannot touch that. You cannot touch the cell phone before you touch the Bible. I'll give you a Bible. Is that okay? You touch, never touch the cell phone. Did you covenant? Are there some that were brave? Let me see. Who are the ones that were brave? Only one. My wife said that too. Okay. Is that all? So... For the rest of you in shofar, cell phone comes first. Is that right? No? So you covenanted with that? I will not touch. Okay, good. One at the back. Pastors, all the pastors of this church, uh, about two-thirds of your church needs to get converted. Uh, You have to work on that. Okay, the conversion from cell phone to Bible. It's a massive conversion. You see, my friends, how can you listen to anyone else speaking unless you've listened to God? That's my question. How can you do that? And since I made this rule for myself, it's amazing <laughs> how well it works. <laughs> I'm looking at the cell phone. I'm looking. I want, I want to get, you know, that addiction is there. Is that right? And then you denounce it, you evil one. <laughs> Stay away from me, Satan. Then you walk to the Bible and you read the Bible. So practical things, spiritual disciplines, prayer, the word of God. Focus on God as the sovereign and so on. Then please take your children on missions. It's right here in Stellenbosch that we took our children or allowed our children to go on mission outreaches to Mozambique, dangerous places that all the other parents said to us, are you crazy? Your daughter is 14 years old. They have malaria there. There are landmines there. And we walked home and we said, so who's crazy here? Those that sent them or those that protect them? Who is the crazy one here? How can your children really believe that God is everything if your time and your planning, your holiday time, your extra time is not focused on advancing the kingdom of God? How can they do that? They simply cannot. They simply cannot. You can say whatever you say. The demonstration of your life is the message of your life. 
take them on mission outreaches. Have your kids doing things specifically for the kingdom of God. Then, when you get up and when you go to bed, that last prayer at night, make sure that focuses on God, not what, not what you need. On God, not what you need. The first prayer. Now, we, we used to do this before we had to go to school. Always all in a hurry. You know, the Carsten family, very fast family. So in the morning, let's go, let's go. We're late, we're late. But never decline. And then at the front door or on the way in the passage, let's huddle, let's pray. And my wife, I will never forget it. Lord, let them remember today that they are light in a dark world. Let their light shine. Bye-bye, children. Have a great day on God's mission. Amen? How can your child wake up in the morning, make his own program, design his own day, manage everything, and all the messages that come and go, and connect with everyone, but you have not set his mind, programmed his mind, for a mission that day, which is a mission to advance the kingdom of God at school or at work or wherever you are. Can I just ask you, how much time did you spend last week on thinking on how you will change your work environment compared to how well other people think of you? Then we are me-centered instead of God-centered. And then that massive conversion is from me-centeredness to God-centeredness. Focus on the calling of your family. Everyone must write his calling, have his calling, and everyone inspires everyone for his calling in life. So what is your calling in life? What is the main thing that you must accomplish in life for the kingdom of God? And everyone, since they are 11 years old, they must write their purpose, mission, statement. And Father knows it and encourages everyone towards this. Talking and praying for others, serving others. How can we serve them? How can we serve them? And just a one more practical one, and then I don't have time for more. And that is, dads, if you've got a teenager, and you don't train your teenager how to get the social media involvement, whether that is Instagram or whether that is Facebook, how to get that kingdom-centered, I'm sorry. You haven't done your duty. I'm sorry. You've neglected possibly the most important, impactful thing. It is more impactful than reading the Bible to him tomorrow morning. Sit down with him. How are you going to structure this? If this takes so much time of the young people, how can we not redeem this for the kingdom of God? You tell me. Because if that is all about me, then you violate the most essential thing that the Bible teaches us. We die in ourselves so that God can live in and through us, kill the Facebook of your child in the name of Jesus. And you look at me as I'm bringing, I'm bringing bad news. I thought that everyone in the church would jump up and say, Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Life is, life is about God. That's the first one. Two more to go, and I've got 15 minutes. One more, uh, two more to go. Number two, in Christian homes, our values are kingdom-centered values. 
kingdom-centered values. Where do we see this? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord, your God, who is amongst you, is a jealous God. That means exclusively owned you as his. That is what that jealousy means. Like you marry one woman. Do what is right and good in the, light, in, in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. The big problem uh, is that we do not adopt kingdom values in our family. Why kingdom values? Values are just the things that are most important to us. What are the four things that are most important to us. Many years ago, uh, we designed this coat of arms. We decided on these four things. You will see there on the right upper hand side is serving other people. That later turned to empowering other people. And this still remains the four main values of our family. Then the tree symbolizes growth. Spiritual growth is number one. Spiritual growth is number one. Serving people, empowering people, number two. The stars says we are heaven people. We do not think like other people. We do not speak like other people because we are not like other people because we are reborn. We are heaven people visiting earth. This is who we are, reborn by God. Okay, and then the last one, the world is exposure to other cultures and the enrichment of other cultures and the influence of other cultures. And, and, and this is our family crest. But if you do not have something like this, What is engraved on the mind of a young person? Money, sex, and power, and cell phones. Those four. So unless we engrave something new, impress something new, talk about new things, I'm sorry, you will never change your your daughter or your son into a kingdom citizen. Kingdom citizen does all the planning, designing, time, money, life from the key values. And therefore, please, do this when you go back home. I give you this assignment, assignment when you go back home. Go back home, the next uh, two slides. You can Google this values and you'll get these lists of values. Next one. Next one. you get many and then you can choose. So when we did this many years ago, this was three years after we've done this exercise, And it had a massive impact on our lives. And I just want to encourage you with this. Three years later, my youngest daughter, biological daughter there, the small little one in front there, um, Jenny, she was then about six years old, I think. And when she was three years old, we designed this coat of arms for us. And then all the time we would plan accordingly. So it was near Christmas time. Like now, more or less. And we said, so what are we going to do for Christmas? And obviously the children, what are we going to get for Christmas? No, 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 no. Is Christmas forgetting or giving? Is Christmas, did Jesus get his son or give his son? It's dangerous when you live with a father like this, okay? And mother like this. No, okay, he gave, oh, so Christmas is forgiving, not forgetting. Okay, so your mind is occupied. Who are you going to give presents to? Not what are you going to get. Okay, that took some time. And then, okay, we're going to give. Who are we going to give to? And then the kids said, we are going to give to the poorest kids of Stellenbosch. I phoned that social worker and, or child care worker and, and asked her the three poorest kids in town and they gave me those names same age gender as my children 
We went to, it was then OK Bazaars. Remember OK Bazaars there for the older people on the corner there? We went there and uh, unforgettable day. I gave them enough money to buy a good gift and their friends would choose a gift and then they would pay for that. My son George ran up to me, said, Dad, I need more money. I said, it's okay, but why? Dad, you will not believe this. Of course I will believe. Dad, you will not believe this. I got a little irritated. Come on, man. Of course I will believe. Dad, he bought himself a doll. 11-year-old boy buying himself a doll. I said, a doll. He said, a doll. I said, a doll. He said, a doll. I said, I don't believe you. He got me on that one. And I said, so why? He said, I didn't know. So I asked him. I said, what did he say? He said, Dad, he bought the doll for his sister back home, Dad. The first time that this little boy gets the opportunity to buy himself a new gift, he did not think of himself, but he thought of his sister back home. Change the life of my son. Change our lives forever. You see, my friend, if you're not intentional in engraving kingdom values in your children, I'm sorry. They will become like the world. And they will make no difference in this world. Last one. The last one. And this we get from John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And I just want to summarize the most important thing. Because if Jesus would be here today and I would walk up to Jesus. Jesus, just one word for the church. What is the most important in a home? Then he would say, fathers, demonstrate and explain to children and the others how to love. And we all know that would be his answer. But friends, and I want to close with this. So, what is the distinction then? The firstly, life is about God. Secondly, you live with kingdom values and not worldly values. And then the third one, you love, but you don't love just in general. You love Christ's love. And let me explain this because we live in a world that is extremely confusing on this one. And I'm not going to go there because there is a new principle in this world that love means tolerance. Non-judgmental allowance of everything. I'm not on that one today. I just tell you, this is not Christ's message. Because Christ's message is very clear. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says, A new commandment. That's not the old one of the Old Testament. Give to get. New commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So, as I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, if you love people as I have loved you, they will know. That you are my disciples. What is that love? And this is extremely important. Because it's not taught in churches as it should. Because we teach a mix of this. Of Old Testament and New Testament love. I had the shock of my life. When nine years ago I discovered. That I never understood. After nine years of formal theological training. Three years of being a pastor. I never understood love. Until the reality dawned. What did I misunderstand? Initially, I understood that love means this. I'm kind to you. But then, obviously, you will be kind to me as well. 
You know, I would be so nice to my wife and buy her flowers and make the bed and wash the dishes. But man, when it comes nighttime, I thought it would be payback time. And then I said to her, I love you so much. And in her mind, she always thought, you liar. You love me to get. Not a gift, to get. Nine years ago, I realized that was not love, that was a business deal. A business deal is when you give to get. That's a business deal. Never call it love. Never ever call it love. Call it business deal. We have business to talk about. Talk like that. Secondly, I made a massive mistake. I had these expectations. And if you meet my expectations, I would like you. And Stellenbosch is the center, the epicenter of the world of expectations. The performance center of South Africa, at least, if not the world. Is that right? Okay, and that's why everything is driven by fear. So I created so much fear for my children, for my wife, because everything had to be perfect. I was the pastor of the students' church. I preached to all my lecturers that I had, all the professors, Old Testament, New Testament, dogmatology, ecclesiology, the whole lot of them. So everything had to be perfect. And I created fear, and the Bible says there's no fear in love. Because fear is created by expectations. Expectations demand performance. If you don't perform, then you are disappointed. And if you're disappointed, you load guilt and shame on people. And that is the fear cycle. That is the fear cycle. I created that in everything I did without saying it. Because it was all about, you must meet my expectation. And therefore, I got so irritated with other people. And that's why if you sit with an irritation against a person here, it's because of your expectation. No expectation, no irritation. The more pride you have, the more expectations you have. The more expectations you have, the more irritations you have. And when I died in myself, tore up my expectations for my wife, said to her, you never have to give me food or anything in life again because it's not about me. I die for this today. That is the day that heaven walked into our house. And also for my children, no expectations. But one directional intentional love i want you to be like jesus because jesus is perfect and i want you to be like that not for me for you for you because that is heaven on earth love like jesus did selfless sacrificial one directional intentional love three things in the home life is about god number one Kingdom values, not world values. Sacrificial, selfless, sacrificial, one-directional, intentional love for the person. Let's finish with a small little story. I don't know if you know this little legend, but they say that there's a little legend that says that when you go to heaven or you go to hell, it looks exactly the same. Now that's probably good news for some people in this church this morning. He said, I'm not ready for heaven, so if hell looks the same, that's fine. But there's a little king to the story. Okay. <clears throat> they say you walk into the door into heaven, and it looks the same as if you walk into the door into hell. So what looks the same? 
When you walk into heaven or hell, there are long tables of the most amazing food you've ever seen in your life. And I know you're hungry now, so you'll appreciate the story. Most amazing food. I mean, you just want to get hold of it as quickly as possible. A feast. A feast in heaven, a feast in hell. But there's only one thing. is by the door. As you enter the door, they stiffen your elbows. Both elbows get stiffened permanently. Okay? So you can't bend your arm. So that's the first thing. And the second thing that they do is they give you a spoon longer than your arm. And they attach it to your hand, both hands. They attach a spoon longer than your arm to your hands. And so the only difference between hell and heaven is this. In hell, they want to feed themselves. All the time, they just want to feed themselves. Hell is the most self-centered place that you can get. And the whole struggle is how can I get this food to my mouth? But in heaven, you know, they are like that other boy that I told you about. They don't think of themselves. Their only interest is to feed the brother and the sister with the greatest feast that they've ever seen. That is the difference between a secular home and a Christian home. Selfless, sacrificial, love. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.